0: Uh, Eva LaVita by Coldplay. You know who made this birthday bumper music selection? And I think I'm going to blow your mind and you're going to want to re-listen to the lyrics. Because uh, when I was listening to the lyrics just now, it's very interesting. The person who selected this song. John Gotti Jr. This is a John Gotti Jr. birthday bumper music selection. Um, It is his birthday today. Valentine's Day. John A. Gotti, uh, who a lot of people call John Gotti Jr., uh, he turns, um, I believe. Uh, let me tell you exactly how he turned. Uh, I think fifty-eight today. Hmm? Um, I'll, I'll look that up, but I'm not. Uh, it is definitely his birthday, and uh, I will. I will check on his age. Uh, all right. Uh, Yesterday, we spent a lot of time talking about a very sad situation in New Jersey, Uh, and it is – so many people ended up tying the story of this 14-year-old girl who had been bullied and then the video of her uh, assault being blasted all over social media. So many people called in. It was actually a very difficult, very emotional situation segment to do from my perspective, and I'm sure it was emotional for a lot of you to listen to, but so many people tied this to social media and to the incredible prevalence of smartphones, and multiple people called in and said that the best thing you could do is get your young person, get your your daughter, granddaughter, son, grandson, niece, nephew, whatever, little brother, away from the smartphone. Well, I have to tell you, I have been intrigued uh, by the work of Dr. H. David Burstein, who has written a book called Smartphones Don't Give Hugs, A Guide Out of Loneliness. It's very interesting, and uh, Dr. Burstein is kind enough to stay up late with us today. Dr. Burstein, it's great to talk with you. Thanks for joining me on the radio.
1: Frank, I'm absolutely thrilled, and I have to tell you, you have such a cheery voice that at this hour of the day, you invigorate anybody. I'm really impressed.
0: Thank you very much. You're very kind uh, to say that. Hey, uh, give folks a little bit of perspective on your journey and your work here. What prompted your research into the this subject or these dual subjects of loneliness and smartphones?
1: Well, it goes back a long way. I've actually been very interested in social media. Going back 30 years, I read a book by Neil Postman called "Amusing Ourselves to Death." I read a book by jo- uh, Joshua Meyerowitz called "No Sense of Place," and the topic has always interested me. And now that I'm I'm a divorced father with three teenage kids, and I also happen to be a dentist. And I just want to make sure that even though I'm a, a dr, it's not a, it's a dr like uh, Joe Biden's a dr. I'm got not, it. Got it. I, right. You. I don't try to be any more than I am. I'm just a citizen of the world, and I have a hobby of writing, and I decided to, instead of ignoring a topic, to actually lean into it.
0: All right. So let's talk about loneliness. Right. A lot gets written about this, and it's been much more documented over the years uh, since the pandemic began and since the lockdowns began. We've seen an uptick in uh, alcoholism. We've seen an uptick in drug abuse. We've seen an uptick in depression. And a lot of people say this all ties back to the fundamental problem of loneliness, not only among young people, but among adults as well. How big of a problem in society these days is loneliness?
1: Uh, I
0: think it's huge.
1: I think it's a fundamental, primal emotion. Human beings were social creatures. And the thing is, if you look at loneliness, it's not, you know, it, it, with any emotion we can consider it negative. Loneliness is just telling us we need a social connection. The, uh, the guy who wrote the book on loneliness is a guy named, gentleman named John Cassioppo. And he said, just the same way that we have hunger to tell us about we need our need for food, we have thirst to tell us about a need for liquid, we have pain to tell us avoid things, loneliness is there to remind us that we need social connection. And like with any emotion, it's not the matter—it's not the emotion itself. It's what you do with it. And it's a it should be a prompt to action. So as much as people think loneliness is terrible— It's telling us to move our ass.
0: You you begin your book, uh, which uh, I I really recommend. It's called Smartphones Don't Give Hugs, not only with uh, a quote from uh, Neil Postman, who I read that book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, but with a a quote from a a radio talk show host that a lot of people are familiar with, Dennis Prager. But um, Neil Postman, when he wrote Amusing Ourselves to Death, I think that was back in the early to mid 80s. And there, that was long before everybody was carrying around a smartphone. I think in my life, I know one, maybe two people that don't own a smartphone. Explain mm-hmm. to folks, what is the connection between the loneliness problem in the country and in society in general and smartphones?
1: Well, As far as I'm concerned, it's just a substitute for real life. And because it's so uh, it's so seductive by the way it works, that it just takes away it, it it affects process. You get so much instantly, and people people want meaning in their life without putting in any effort. And unfortunately, with a lot of technology, it's great, but it affects process and a, and a sense of self worth comes from process. You know, if somebody wants to draw a picture, do you get more satisfaction out of pressing a button and the computer doing it for you? Or do you get enjoyment from doing it yourselves? And the whole thing with technology, technology is wonderful. It's, it's awesome. Look what we're doing right now. When you really sit back on it, it's, it's, amazing. it's miraculous. But unfortunately, but there's a process to it. Uh, that and we, we misprocess.
0: Yeah, uh, no, I, I totally get that. You also spend some time in the book focusing on the importance of nonverbal communication. Talk about that a little bit and why that is not uh, that's not something that's furthered by use of smartphones.
1: Well, h- human beings. How, how did we first communicate with each other before we became verbal? You got got a sense of of what people were like. By 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 body by body language. There's there's a a study that I quote about. It's called the the 55 percent rule. That when we have to make first impressions with other people, seven percent is only based on what is actually said. Thirty eight percent is based on tone, and fifty five percent is based on nonverbal. The the uh, like if I if you're sitting out, out at a restaurant with a woman and you're saying. Geez, they find you really attractive as your as your eyes are glazing around the room checking out everybody else. Where's the truth?
0: Well the it, truth is,
1: is in the nonverbal.
0: Yeah, now it's uh it's a, a great point. You know, one of the things that folks may point to, especially younger folks listening, is that look, the smartphone gives all sorts of people, uh, people that uh, might be otherwise reclusive, people that uh, might have a difficult time talking with folks in real life, uh, people that uh, uh, are an invalid, for instance. It gives them an opportunity to communicate with the whole world when otherwise they wouldn't be. Doesn't the smartphone in some ways open up all sorts of new avenues for communications and interconnectedness with other people.
1: I totally, totally agree with you. Many years ago, when my mother was in a retirement home. I felt like saying all, every, every one of these people in a retirement home should have a, uh, a smartphone. Why, why not? But at the end of the day, you can't get a hug. We're, we're physical beings. But I, I totally agree with you. Like, listen, the technology when it's you, you, it's like any time you, you can use any sentence. If you should always use the suffix when done properly, when done in a measured way. Just today, I had an observation. Can you imagine if every single time we had a new techno social technological advan, advantage, they mark they had, it had to go through the same scrutiny that a that a drug. A new drug has to go. <laughs> right. Whether it's whether, whether it's side effects. What's the dosage? What like all oh, the whole process of okaying a drug by the FDA. Can you imagine if they had to do the same thing with with social media?
0: Well, that's a it's a great it's uh, a great point. Talking with David Burstein, his book is "Smartphones Don't Give Hugs." Uh, David, m- m- my least favorite sound that I encounter throughout the day. Is when I hear my phone ringing, uh, and it's just I, I just groan because I I don't want to pick it up, and then I mm-hmm. sleep during the day because of my odd hours, so I keep my phone on do not disturb, and I so dread picking up my phone and seeing all the SMS and text message notifications, all the email notifications all the Facebook notifications, all the Twitter notifications, all the you-name-it notifications, that now what I've started to do is even once I wake up and start my day, I keep it on Do Not Disturb, and I keep waiting longer and longer to take it off and see all those notifications. And when I finally see all those notifications, two things happen. One, it's a daily kick in the gut to know that I now have to go through all this stuff and respond to it. But the other thing mm-hmm. is, these people that I have not responded to, in some cases for six hours, some cases for eight hours, they all then begin saying, hey, uh, uh, um, why haven't you responded? Hey, what's the deal? They all begin following up because I didn't respond to their mode of communication right away. So uh, I know that's a long uh, primer to this question, but my question is this. Society, as it is now, now expects us to be instantly reachable. Professionally, personally, there is this societal pressure to immediately respond to things. So how do we, normal, average, ordinary people functioning in a society that have jobs, that have families, how do we participate in society but resist the societal pressure to be so smartphone-dependent?
1: Great question. Uh, with all of the people self-help guys I listen to, the number one thing they say: get your phone out of your room. Don't don't go don't go to bed with your phone in your room. And, and you know it's funny that you were talking about loneliness. There's a hell of a difference between being alone and loneliness. And a certain amount of alone time is healthy for us. And so what I often find that a lot, a lot of time one of the, in one of the chapters, it's about our, our reaction to change and fear. And it's a matter of develop uh, what we do to develop our, our own characters, because we're going to be spending a lot of time with ourselves. So we know that we need ourselves. And then when it comes to other people, you just have to say, sorry, there's too much of it. This, this stuff is like air pollution. People don't even realize how much it is. And we just just have too much time. Not not me, too much availability. We have to learn to shut it off and just say these rules are important. I I know for like with with it's funny when Dennis Prager's one of the things he he's an observant serious Jew. He shuts off technology for twenty five hours a week on Shabbat. He says, "Sorry, I want to be a human being."
0: The um, you raise so many interesting points in this book. Is there any data to back up the kind of the connections that you make between the ubiquitous nature of smartphones and the rising epidemic of loneliness?
1: I think it's just the uh there's loads of studies. Uh because I, I think people but what, I think what often happens like what often happens with people, they uh, they don't even realize what's going on because they don't even know. Like they don't even know, like a lot of people don't even realize what the technology is doing to them because they really don't know any better. And then they, all of a sudden they realize, why am I, why am I feeling this way? Well, geez, you just spent seven hours listening, watching uh YouTube videos or playing a video game. Geez, why do I feel numb? They don't, they don't, people don't even realize like I have feet. I Three teenage children, and there are times when you want to talk to them, or they want to talk to them, and they say uh, they don't even know I'm there because they're so engrossed in the technology. And then all of a sudden, they say, Why don't I have any? Why don't I have any real friends? <laughs> because they've, they've, they've been thinking, they've been conditioned that the that the phone is their number one uh, their, their their number one companion, but they don't realize that we we need people.
0: It seems like uh, over the course of the last hundred years, whenever there's some sort of technology that uh, is used for either communication or entertainment or both, whether it 's radio whether it 's television whether it 's movies whether it 's uh, walkman 's whether you know whatever the case may be there's this resistance from parents to allow their children to to use it um, is some of this just kind of the Existing generation having a natural resistance to the next technological wave that the next generation is embracing?
1: I, it's a, it's a great question. I think that what ends up happening is adults have a tendency to say, well, what's the downside? It, uh, the technology is wonderful. If, if, this, if this technology made us not, this technology is unbelievable. That I'm again, like I am having this conversation with you, or I could turn on the turn on the something, and then have a lifetime conversation with somebody in Australia right now. It's miraculous. But for at everything that everything we have in life, there's a cost. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think that there's a cost, you're fooling yourself.
0: You have a portion in the book uh, where it's uh, back to basics. You alluded to the uh, advice from some experts not to keep your smartphone in your bedroom. What other advice uh, are you able to give folks about how to allow them to use their smartphone as a tool and not to let their smartphone control them?
1: Well, you know, what I – you know, it's funny you're talking about the the smartphone in particular – the imagery that I have in the book is to look at loneliness as if it's a light on an emotional fuel gauge. And as much as we can worry about things that will specifically lead to uh, loneliness, we should be thinking there's a continuum. We should, Instead of concentrating on the things that cause loneliness or the light to go off, we should be concentrating on those things in life that get the needle to go as far to the right as possible. So it's, it's as if you come back, you know, if a person's, let's say, driving a car properly. Well, if they drive a car properly, chances are they're going to know that they have to top off the fuel gauge. And what can we be doing? And in, in the whole thing of being realizing that we're here to serve others. And when we're listening to a smartphone or watching a smartphone, we're not helping other human beings. And at the end of the day... It's, what we, it's, how we serve, it's how we serve others that really counts and where we find meaning in our lives.
0: So how about some advice to – it is Valentine's Day, right? And uh, this is one of those holidays where people that don't have a significant other or maybe don't have family, it's a holiday where they could feel particularly lonely. What do you have – what advice do you have for people – to make connections with others who might find themselves either because of circumstances or whatever else they might be going through alienated from the rest of the world. What advice do you have for people to uh, kind of assuage that loneliness a bit?
1: Commit yourself to become a better listener. Pick up the phone yourself and call somebody. Figure out who you want to, who do you want to play catch with? Go back to get a good book. Start reading a book that you would start reading a book. And don't and learn to do things that you don't depend on others to switch loneliness. Because again, you can be lonely being in a crowd with, with thousands of people, but you're still lonely. So work on your own character. It's all like you know what it is. It's all like basic life stuff. Mm. Be your own best. Whatever what what it means to be your own best friend. Don't don't let yourself settle for second best. Find yourself when you're being lazy. Stop making excuses for your own sadness. See so, so what are you, what are you gonna and what are you gonna do about it? And it's a very it, you know the thing, Frank. It's all simple back to basic stuff of life. And, and, and you just realize it. It's all basic stuff. When a baseball team goes back to spring training every year short to first short to first short to first that's how you that's how you start start Uh, with the basics
0: i can't since you are a dentist i can't let you go without getting you to weigh in on an issue that we've hotly debated on this show is it better to brush your teeth before breakfast or after breakfast
1: I'm generally a brush after breakfast person, but I, I think the problem is, you know, it depends where the washroom is in your in your home. If if let's say some, somebody has a uh, somebody has their washroom on the second floor and you come downstairs, you don't want to shut back upstairs to brush your teeth. So then you do it before. But ideally, I would suggest I suggest after. All yeah, right. And then 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 there's the whole thing with. With flossing, do you floss before you brush your teeth or do you brush your teeth and then floss? And I'm like, floss first, brush second, the same way that if if you're sweeping sweeping dust from under a bedroom, a bed, you get the stuff from under the bed before you sweep the rest of the floor.
0: David Burstein, thank you very much. The book is Smartphones Don't Give Hugs, A Guide Out of Loneliness. I appreciate the time. Oh,
1: I thank you very much, Frank. It's great to meet you.
0: Thank you. Great to talk with you as well. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to call in at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. We'll take your calls straight ahead.
1: The Other Side at Midnight. midnight.